this is going to be a different service when, we, when it started with all the stuff going on up here. I, I thought God's going to have to come on the scene to, be, to beat the, the uh, speaker falling over and stuff like that and carry it on. And, uh, <laughs> and for those that's going to be, Craig, you're going to be running that uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Just kind of put this down. We're going to, go, we're going to be doing some reading from uh, verses 1 through 8. And then I want you to find uh, Psalms 103. And we'll be reading. I'm going to talk to you about four expectations that you can, things you can expect uh, in worship. Four things that you can expect. Now, sometimes when you expect something, sometimes a lot of times you're disappointed. Uh, but I want to share with you some things about worship, what you could expect in worship. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. My, uh, I, my, I'm reading from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. It might read a little bit different. Some will read on my notes, but you can follow along on the, on the monitors. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above his throne now, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two wings he flew. Verse 3 says, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now all at once he gets a vision or a glimpse into the heavens, and he is ushered into the presence of worship that is going on as we sit here today. It wasn't something that they, are, they just said in this particular setting of Scripture it is something they have done all day today. They did it all last night. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You may have been in this service and, and worship might have been, may have been the farthest thing from your mind, but someone somewhere is worshiping. And Jesus said, if these people don't worship, the rocks would cry out. Jesus is seeking people to worship him. Uh, and uh, man, I, I better, let me finish this. Verse four said, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke, our glory. So I said, Isaiah speaking, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, or him, here am I, send me. I want, while I'm saying a few words, I want you to go to Psalms 103. And I want to talk to you this morning about the expectations of worship. Let me remind you this morning that you and I were designed to worship. You will worship something. If, if it's not God, you will worship something. Because you and I were designed to worship. There is something in us. That, that yearns to worship something. Now, you say, well, what are you talking about? about be, you, you're going to worship something. You worship yourself. 
You'll worship, you'll worship money. You will bow at the idol of something. You will worship something because you and I were designed to worship. And I want to say something very, I want, I want to say very carefully, and I don't want to be offensive, but just you being in a worship service doesn't mean that you worship because worship is something that you do. Worship is something that you do. It's not something where you're at, and you need to understand that. God is seeking worshipers. In John chapter 4 and verse 23, he goes to Jacob well outside of Samaria and he waits. And he waits and he waits. He's waiting for a divine appointment with a woman that he knows that is going to be by this well. And now the conversation as she arrives begins to talk about water. And then after the conversation about water, it gets into worship. And then the, the scripture says that Jesus said, the time is coming or the hour is coming now. We talk about 24, which makes up a day, but God is looking for someone who will just give him an hour. He said the hour is coming, not, not the 24, not the day is coming, not the time, and I used to say that time, but really it is the hour. The hour is coming when they that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. Have you given God an hour? See, worship is not something you go to and attend. Worship is something that you do. True worship is not a spectator event. You maybe have been here today and you've been noticing things that are going on, but I want you to understand, worship is a participation event. It doesn't happen in your seat if it does not happen in, in you. Now I've seen, and, and preachers are the world's worst about worship. We had a guy, someone said, I, I have a friend who's a preacher and I want him to sing. And so I said, well, can he sing? Oh, yeah, he can sing. And so they came to church. This had been years ago, and he came, and he was sitting there in the pew and going, all during the service. I mean, the worship service going on, people were shouting, carrying on. I thought, that's strange. He's a preacher, right? And uh, we invited him to come up and sing. As soon as the song started, I jumped down all over the stage. I'm thinking, whew, something wrong with this picture. You see, if you can't worship out there, don't get up here and show me how. If you're not doing it out there, don't get up here and try to do it. Learn to do it there before you get up here. Okay? Worship is something that you do. It is not something that happens, you know, nonchalantly. It happens by design. You see, it happens, I will enter his gates. What? I will what? Who, who's doing it? I, I what? I will. See, you have to make a choice. You're here, but have you worship? And the re if you haven't worshiped, it's because you didn't want to worship. Maybe you not, didn't feel good. Maybe there have a lot of reasons, but that doesn't make any difference about worship because worship is something that you do, something that you enter, enter into. Now, Psalm 103, show, Psalms 103 shows us a pattern. Notice what the psalmist says in verse 1. Bless the Lord. Oh, what? Who? Who? Let all the eyes hold their hands. Let me see all the eyes. Come on, come on, lift them up. How many eyes are here? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all, how much? Well, I just don't feel like it. Part of me feels like it. And what? All that is within me, bless 
his holy name. Now, it gives the pattern of worship. See, all throughout the scriptures, there's all kinds of patterns and, and all kinds of symbols that, that goes in with this thing called worship. But I want you to understand, it's my emotions, my, my mind, my will. It's not left to be left up to the worship team. It's not supposed to be left up to the worship leader. Well, I don't like the song they're singing. So what? What has that got to do with it? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I don't like the song. Who cares? I will, I will, I will. See, we have so many hang-ups. Can I tell you the truth? Some of them I don't like. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not supposed to like them all. God didn't call me to like them all. He said, but you will. I will bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. That's personal. That's my soul, my emotions, my mind, my will. It's not to be left up to the, uh, your neighbor. It's not supposed to be left up to the preacher. It's not supposed to be left up to the piano player. It's not supposed to be left up to your prayer partner. It is supposed to be left up to you and you are to make a choice of what you're going to do with the time that you spend with God. I will enter into his gates. Notice the next is the object of praise. Why should we do it? Bless his holy name. See, what's important is not how we feel. What's important is not where I'm at. What is important is that who are you worshiping and you are blessing his holy name. He is worthy. Is God good or not? I may have had a bad week and sometimes I do have bad weeks. Sometimes I have bad months. That doesn't take away from the fact that he name is holy and I worship him. He alone is worthy of our praise and our worship and our attention and our time. Notice it is to be wholehearted. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. All my mind, all my will, all my emotions, my focus. I released yesterday. You can't go back and change yesterday. I don't borrow from tomorrow. You're not supposed to borrow for to, to, uh, from tomorrow because tomorrow has not come. God's not giving you grace for tomorrow. You forget about tomorrow, quit borrowing from it, and just give God an hour. Just give him an hour. Forget about the 24. The hour is coming, young lady, when they that worship will worship me in spirit and in truth. Understand that. Why should I worship? Now notice this worship is to be with a set purpose. Forget not. I am here this morning and I am not to forget. I am going to make a point that today when I come to the service, I'm not going to forget his goodness. What am I, and I'm going to make up my mind that while I'm there, I'm going to be involved in worship. I'm going to do worship. I'm not just going to attend a worship service. Why should I get involved in that? I, I'm not feeling good. I have no reason. Listen, I'm kind of down today. Why should I do that? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and bless and forget not all of his benefits. And then the psalmist says, who forgives all your iniquity. Is that worth praising? Is that worth an hour of worship right there? He, but he goes on. Who heals what? How much? Who heals all of your diseases? Now listen, who, who does what? Notice it goes on. Who what? Redeems your life from destruction? Where would you have been if God had not touched your life? 
Where would you have been if God hadn't intervened in the course of your life and stopped you on the path of, your, of wherever you was going? Where would you be if you can't worship God for an hour over that? Pick a flower. Who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. Oh, God. Do you remember? Can you remember? Oh. Jesus, sometimes we need to remember the pit that God dug us from. If you can't remember, if you can't think of anything else to worship God about, you need to remember that one. David said he dug me out of a horrible pit. It was a miry pit of clay. Now notice he goes on. He redeems your life from destruction. He doesn't stop there. And then he crowns you with loving kindness. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, the scripture says. And then he satisfies your mouth with good things. I'm telling you, listen, don't tell me you haven't got something to worship God about. Don't tell me you haven't got something to praise God about. Listen, if he took his blessings off your life, no telling where you would be right now. But you need to spend an hour with God. The question should be asked, or should be, why haven't we worshiped? Don't wait for the music to be just right. Worship. Don't wait for the, the music director to get the right course. Worship. Don't wait for somebody to come and pray for you. Worship. Don't, want else, don't wait for somebody else next to you to start worshiping. You worship. And as you worship, it might jump off on them. Don't wait. Yeah, go ahead. Don't wait for Aunt Sally to shout it down. You do some shouting yourself. Sometimes we think, you know, we, we wait for somebody else to kind of pray it down or whatever. Don't wait for the preacher to say the right words. Be a worshiper. You've got things to worship about. With all he has given us, the question should be, why haven't we given him an hour? The French have a proverb that provides insight into this thing called worship. And it goes this way. It says, a good meal ought to begin with hunger. Have you noticed that when you're hungry, it really doesn't make too much difference what's on the table? It doesn't, it doesn't make it too much difference what they put on there. If you're hungry, it's all good. It's all good. And the same way it is when you come to a worship service. It doesn't make any difference who's preaching. It doesn't make any difference who, what they're singing. It doesn't make too much difference. Uh, it, it, it all has to do with your hunger and your desire and, and the, the things you feel about what God has done for you. And when those things um, are all mixed together and the songs are started and the music is started, whatever, man, it's what comes forth out of your spirit. All starts with desire and being hungry. But when we come to worship, you can expect God. When you get in, enter into true worship, now here's some things that you can expect to receive in return, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 6 and, uh, and verses 1 through 8. I'm going to go back through here. Now notice sometimes, sometimes for people to really get in a worship attitude, something drastic has to have happened to them. That's not God's best. Sometimes something tragic. In the year the king Uzziah died, now that was tragic for Isaiah. Now he was already a prophet. He, was no, he is known as the prince of prophets. He, and and he, was, he was already a prophet. He was already a priest. And he was in the temple praying, but he got serious with God on the year the king Uzziah died. 
What, I don't know, for whatever reason, that shook him up. There's a lot of different reasons why it may have happened. But it could have been because all at once Uzziah maybe was their security blanket. Maybe they looked to Uzziah for the help and the strength and the protection. Whatever reason they looked to Uzziah, something when he died, it really shook them up. And Isaiah got serious with God. Listen, don't let it be a norm for your life for you to have to wait till something drastic happens to you for you to be a worshiper. Don't do that. Look at what he did. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Something you can expect when you're a true worshiper and you really get into worship, you're going to sense God's presence. There's going to be a special divine touch of his presence when you and I enter into worship. Isaiah was in the temple worshiping and then his eyes was open and he realized he was in the presence of God. The scripture says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, who's there? Who's there? Is he here? He's here today. You may not sense him. Doesn't make it take away from the fact that this book says he's here. He has given us a promise of his divine presence anywhere People get together and worship. This is a worship service. And he has promised, when you worship, I'll show up. And so Isaiah gets into the presence of God. He's beginning to worship. And now his eyes are open and he begins to see, I am not alone. God is here. True worship will connect you with God. Now listen, we do not sing to each other. If you come to the service and we start singing courses... If you're singing because you, and you're singing real pretty because you want to hear the person to hear you next to you, hear you sing, that's the wrong motive. You're not singing to your neighbor. Who are you singing to? You're singing to God. It's part of the worship. See, the, the worship service, we call it a worship service, but all these things are, we, we give, we know our offerings, it's a source of worship. Everything's worship. But when you come down here to pray, you're not praying to hear your neighbor hear you pray. You're praying to who? You're praying to God. You're in his presence. And we have to remind ourselves that we are in his divine presence. The words that we are singing, if you're really singing them right in worship, you're singing them to him. And when you're praying, if you're really praying in the spirit, the way God wants you to pray, you are praying to him, not the one you're praying for. You're praying to him. So true worship will connect you with God. When we come to worship, we bring ourselves. Listen, no Hebrew ever came to worship without bringing something. They did not do that. They knew that something was required for them to bring to a worship. And when they came to the temple to worship, they did not come empty-handed. The New Testament says we are to bring ourselves. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. So when New Testament worshipers come to a worship service, what are you supposed to bring? You are to bring yourself. And you place yourself, you and God, eyeball to eyeball, up close and personal. And when you really begin to worship, you're going to begin to sense his presence. I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter 
into it. Does it sound like in the Psalms 100 that he is coming into his presence? You're going to come. Praise and worship sets an atmosphere that you, that, that creates an atmosphere where you can sense the presence of God. And the psalmist is saying, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart with the right attitude. I will enter into his courts with praise. I will say, this is the day. You should say, this is the hour. This is the hour. A day is a long time. I will say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad, for he has made me, what? Glad. As I enter, I can expect an encounter with God, a sense of God's presence. Second, I can expect conviction of my own sinfulness. Now listen to me very carefully. When you get into the presence of God, you will immediately see, you know, you will immediately be convicted of the sin in your life. You say, I don't think I have any sin. Oh, you're not looking at the right image. You know, how, how, how many, how many, you know, here, here's men in the bathroom. You know, and in the mirror, us men lie to ourselves and say, hey, bet. I'm carrying this weight pretty good. <laughs> Come on, men. You know what I'm talking about. You go, you go, you look yourself. And you can get away with that for a while until somebody gives you a picture. And then the picture really reveals to you that the mirror's lying. Mirror, mirror on the wall. You're a liar. Listen. <laughs> yeah, there's not a man in here who hadn't done that. <laughs> if they say they haven't, they're lying. When you're young, you're blessed by Mother Nature, but that ain't going to last long. When God shows up, we fess up. We fess up. I don't care how long you've been living for God. I don't care how perfect you think you are. I don't care how long you've preached. When God shows up and you're in the presence of of an awesome God, man, your sinfulness is exposed. And the next thing you see Isaiah doing after he noticed that God showed up and he was in his presence, oh, my Lord. He said, I am what? I am undone. Now, listen, I have some good news for you today because you need to write this one down. Seeing yourself as undone is not a bad place to be. Seeing yourself as undone is not a bad place to be because I want you to notice this. God will never do anything with us till he has first of all undone us. Let me run that by you again because you need to write that down in the margin of your Bible. God will never do anything with us till he has first of all undone us. There was a song that is saying broken and spilled out. Sometimes we have to be undone before what is in our life is released. Sometimes we have to be broken like the bread that God prayed over and blessed and then he broke it and he gave it out. But the bread first had to be broken. And being undone in his presence is not a bad place to be because you see, God wants to forgive. Because the next picture you see is the goal of cleansing. Notice, he saw himself before he noticed. noticed and this is very, you need to understand it. He noticed himself before he noticed the condition of those around him. 
sometimes people get that reversed. They see the, all the imperfections of people around them before they see their own imperfections. And when you're in the presence of God, God do, that's not God's order. You first deal with your issues, and then you notice those around you. And then third, the third thing you expect is a reminder of God's grace. Is God good or what? Woo! God is good. See, God shows up, we fess up, and then there's a response of God's grace. He know, after he confessed this, and notice, it was after he confessed his self being undone. Notice what happens. The angel flies to the throne in heaven, takes the tongs from the altar, brings a hot coal from the altar of God, and touches his lips. In worship, we should also receive a cleansing from sin, a release from guilt. I want you to understand, the goal of worship is not to feel us, you know, to leave us feeling terrible about what we have done, but to remind us of God's grace, love, and mercy. Amen? That's the goal of worship. God is, God is not going to, to allow you to get into worship and get into his presence and, and after you have confessed your, your sins and your, uh, your unworthiness, he's not going to leave you with feelings of guilt and all those bad feelings and, and let you go home feeling like you, you have not arrived. He's going he's to have, reveal his grace and his love and mercy to you so you can leave here different than you came. That's his will for you. And in true worship, you can expect after he has forgiven you a revelation of his real love for you. That's the reason you'll love him more because all of us have been touched by this thing called sin. Notice, verse, Psalm 103 said, he forgives what? All your what? Iniquities. All your iniquities. And then the fourth thing you can expect is the inspiration to serve. After all of this, after a worship service, nobody's going to have to challenge you, sir. Notice, God didn't beg. God didn't say, oh, I sure wish somebody would go for us. God didn't beg, nor did he force. All right, you dirty dog, get up. You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to do what I tell you to do. He, you didn't hear God saying that? He didn't beg. He didn't force. He, he, didn't, he didn't use guilt. He didn't use a head trip. He didn't do any of that thing on Isaiah. He never done any of that thing. The fourth thing you expect when you really get into a true worship atmosphere and you have an encounter with God in a worship service and you spend some time with him, you will be inspired to serve him. Uh, the, the next week of your life, you will be inspired to serve him because you serve an awesome God. You serve and I serve an awesome God. Now notice what his, Isaiah's response was. He didn't say, how much is it going to cost? He didn't say, what are you going to ask me to do? No, you see, that's our response. How much time will it take? You didn't, Isaiah didn't say that. He did, you know, he didn't say, he just jumped up and said, here I am, send me, I'll go. See, when you've plugged in and God has showed up and you have fessed up and God has restored you and patched you up, then you're challenged to serve as you lead. Not because somebody has made you, not because somebody has coerced you, but because you have spent an hour with God and you are inspired to serve the awesome God that has touched your life. And, and you have been a recipient of all his grace and his mercy. You are blessed this morning. You are blessed this morning. And I, I challenge you, when you come to church, you tune everything, everyone out. 
and you get and you spend an hour, you get alone with God. Don't worry about singing to your neighbor. You can't sing anyway. They know that. Don't worry about what you're saying in prayer. They, they couldn't answer it if they wanted to. You're not praying to them. You're not singing to them. When the preaching's going on, don't say amen and punch them in the side and say, dear, you need that. It's me. It's me, Lord, standing in the need. And you can expect when you do that, God's going to come on the scene and change your life and the direction of your life forever. Amen? Every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all the folks that have taken time out of their day to come here. They're the greatest people in the world. And I'm asking a special blessing upon their life. There may be some here, and there possibly is someone here who does not know you. There's probably more than one has never said yes to you, has never really committed their life to you and ask you to forgive them of their sin. You've come today and maybe you came with the idea that you really would like to make things right with God today. God has might have been dealing with you in the last few weeks of your life. You might not even know how to, what was happening to your life, but you wound up here today. And something you have heard today or something that has been bothering you and, and convicting you and, and dwelling in your spirit has led you to the point where you understand and know that you need to make some things right with God today. If that is you, I'd like to see your hand right up and right down. If my, my eyes come across the building, and by raising your hand right up and right down, God bless you, baby. Right up and right down, you'll be saying, I want to pray. Pastor, I want you to pray for me today. Here's my hand. Is there another? My eyes are coming across the building. Catch my eyes when I come by. When I recognize you, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Just hold them up until make, you make sure I see you. God bless you, partner. God bless you, partner. I see you. Here's my hand, Pastor. I just I need to do some serious praying today. I, I need to have an encounter with God. God bless you in the back. I see your hand. Is there another hand this morning? I want to be in the presence. I want to come into the presence of an awesome God. And the way you start is exactly what I'm saying. You, you confess just like Isaiah. You start the way we've all started by asking Jesus into your life to forgive you of your sins. There's another hand. My eyes are coming across the building again. God bless you, partner. I see your hand right up, right down. Here's my hand, Pastor. Pray for me. I, I really covet your prayers. Is there other hands? My eyes are coming across the building one more time. One more time. Right up, right down. God bless you, partner. God bless you. Be courageous today. Don't be afraid. God's on your side. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. That's you. That's me. He's not in the condemning business today, but he's in the saving business, and God wants to save you. He wants to turn your life around and get you back on the right track and begin to restore your life. That's what God wants to do for you today, and he'll do it for you this morning. Is there another hand? Pastor, pray for me today. Pray for me. I'll make a change in direction of my life today. Those of you that raised your hand, will you stand this morning? Will you do that? Come on, stand right with, stand with me, okay? Come on, stand with Pastor today. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Go take courage. Just stand right where you're at, okay? 
I'm not, not going to have you come forward, but I am going to have you stand right where you're at because a public commitment is good for you. It's going to strengthen your resolve. Will you stand? Cross the building. There's been other hands. Been other hands. I want you to stand. God bless you. God bless you. All right, now, believer, there's, there's people in the back. Mike, you guys help me out today. I want you to go to them and lead them, lead them in prayer, will you? Over here, this young man in the back. I want you to lead somebody to lead them in the sinner's prayer as we pray today, okay? Will you do that? We have a couple in the back. Josh, you guys head in the back. Over here on my right, there's a young man standing right here. Handsome young man making a decision to change his life, change direction today. We're making some direction changes today. Lead him in prayer this morning, okay? I want the rest of the church, you remember it now? You may not hear it, but in the realm of the heavenlies right now, there's some rejoicing going on. How many's ever read that in the Bible? Rejoicing over one person. Let's, let's, let's join them this morning. Let's give, God, let's give God a hand, okay? Let's give these guys a hand. Making a change of direction, a decision in their life. We bless you. Go ahead and bless him. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. We bless you this morning, God. We thank you for these young men that's made a decision, changed directions in their life, changed their destiny. Some has a call on their life, God. Today, today. Today is a new, new day. All the rest of the church, you join me now. Will you stand? Now help me sing. Go ahead, Steph, sing. Mm, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless. sing why don't we bless the Lord bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and here's the reason
Here's the reason why we're going to bless him this morning. Has he done great things? He has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. Oh, great God. this morning God I bless you today for this is the day that you have made I will rejoice and be glad in it no weapon formed against me shall prosper today for I am blessed I am blessed going in I'm blessed when I go out oh yeah and all that is within me bless his Tell God that you love him, will you? In your own way, you just tell God that you love him. Oh, my Father, we bless you this morning.